And welcome to From the Hawk's Nest. I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and today my guest is Mr. Phil Conover, President Emeritus of Quincy University. Phil has served as university president from August of 2017 through June of 2019, and recently as the interim athletic director during a spring season. Besides a university president, Phil has worked in many roles, including 15 years as a coach, 26 years as a financial advisor, and he has served on numerous community boards and has, was named the Joe Bonasinga Community, Community, Community Service Award winner. In today's episode, Phil will share with us how he has built a portfolio of experiences and the leadership philosophy he has adopted along the way. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to be here, Matt. You have mentioned before that you're not one to set goals. Instead, you collect experiences. Can you maybe explain to the listeners how to build a portfolio of experiences? Well, I think uh, it's, I operate on a, on a premise that I have for a long time, that at any given moment in our life, we're a summation of our past experiences. So what are, whatever we are right now, you add up what you've been through, and that kind of accounts for what you, what you do. So with each, each experience, especially in terms of a career, when you leave that experience, you're kind of a new person, and you're, and you're newly qualified to do something. Uh, and so then you go to the next one, and it, it builds. Uh, so I was never one to uh, turn down uh, experiences. People have, uh, when they get my age, they have either long no lists or they have long yes lists. Uh, and it's fun to ask somebody, how, you know, how, how long is your, your no list? How many times have you said no when you've been asked to serve and to help and to uh, be, be a part of something? And if you reach a certain age and your no list is huge, chances are you're fairly lonely uh, because uh, people are not going to be reaching out to you. But so uh, that's I, I've strongly believed that uh, by building experiences, uh, you build yourself and your new capabilities, and it just leads to the next one. Never in my wildest moments did I ever think I would be a part of Quincy University administration, uh, let alone being president. And certainly not as an athletic director, but uh, but it's one of those things where you never know what your experiences are going to lead you to. Well, and, you know, we're glad that we were on your yes list uh, for sure, especially when you, as you like to tell it, you got the phone call uh, while you were mowing your pasture. <laughs> well, that's, that's the exact truth. And, you know, uh, Delmer Mitchell was, a, was the chair of the board. And uh, when I shut the mower down and answered the cell phone, you know, he said uh, he'd, he'd like to see me in his office if I, if I could come down to his office. And uh, so when I went and told Bonnie, my, my wife, that, uh, that, um, you know, she just said, uh-oh. <laughs> she knew Which she says a lot. <laughs> she says a lot. <laughs> so she knew something was up. But, uh, but no, it, you know, it's, uh, you, you, uh, you become a, uh, you open up a new threshold every time you have, a, have an experience like that where you give of yourself uh, to to help a situation, uh, and I never know, you know, if I'm the most qualified person to do it. If they ask me to do it, I'll do it to the best of my ability, and, and uh, let's see what happens. So what yeses for you have been most fulfilling? Well, I think that if I look back uh, over the different boards and things in the community, I, I think uh, being the president of Quincy University was probably uh, the, the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. And uh, and I and and I haven't I don't second guess any of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change a thing that's ever happened in my journey. Uh, I'm 77, and I wouldn't change a thing. But uh, 
being here at Quincy University and, and watching the passion uh, and the commitment to excellence that's here uh, was really, really a fulfilling experience. And I don't, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think you thought that when you first took the job. Well, it, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I really think that's something having worked with you that I think grew on you and, and you're able to say that now. But I think initially you didn't know that that yes was going to turn into be your most fulfilling yes. No, that's true. That's very accurate. Because uh, I, de- I started December 1 of 2016. Uh, and that 2017 year was a very, very challenging year for the university. Uh, we had to get positive messaging coming out of the innards of this university. Uh, we, had, we had to get people enjoying being here, taking pride in where they work. And they go to family, family dinners on Sundays saying, hey, I work at Quincy University and I'm proud of it and it's a great place. And that wasn't happening. Uh, and so uh, the challenge to turn that, Matt, would have made me <laughs> uh, probably hesitate to say that's my most fulfilling experience. You know? But as it turned out, you're right, it did grow on me. And, and uh, this university grows on people. Uh, and, uh, and that's why we, we have so much, uh, so much passion here. So what have been your maybe some of your most dangerous yeses? Well, I think from a dangerous perspective, it would be when I was a senior at Arizona State University. Uh, uh, my best friend there was an attorney who, for whom my wife worked. His dad was uh, the chair and the director of the Poisonous Animal Research Division at Arizona State. And he asked me if I would volunteer to go with him and help collect rattlesnakes. Oh. <laughs> and so uh, I did. I did that several times. Uh, we had uh, we had these nine foot poles uh, with the nooses and a wire down through the middle of them, and you could you could create a noose that way. And we'd walk down ravines in, in the Superstition Mountains and uh, put put those poles up into these holes. Uh, and when you and you could feel it, and then you'd tighten the noose and you drag you drag the snake out. Uh, and we put him in gunny sacks and take him up to the lab so for testing. He was developing his own rattlesnake serums. Uh, he, was, he would be called by the government of the United States. He was flown to China. He's flown to India. Uh, he was flown to Australia, all over the world, to be counsel on uh, snake bites to highly high government officials and so on. Uh, but so he, he obviously knew what he was doing. I also, we also collected scorpions. Wow. <laughs> and the, the scorpions are fluorescent, and we hunt them at night. Uh, and we'd collect them in the dry river beds with tweezers and put them in. So that would probably, in terms of dangers, <laughs> um, stupid? No, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it was certainly uh, it's challenging. It was fun. It was fun to do. And I, and I milked. Uh, I, I learned how to milk venom out of a rattlesnake, too. Wow. He taught me how to do that. You really have done everything. <laughs> well, that was kind of exciting, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you uh, you use a phrase, um, and maybe you can explain the to to the listeners the pendulum of life. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> my my dad kind of taught me this, you know. And uh, if you, as you navigate through this life, uh, the the pendulum of life can swing pretty dramatically to either side. Uh, and so when you, when you operate life in the extreme and your pendulum moves that far, uh, that's, in my opinion, a, a form of self-destruct. Uh, 
and so, um, so for example, uh, let's say uh, like in alcohol, um, where where I've always tried to teach you know my kids that when you, you get to the point where you need it, now that, now you've moved the pendulum, uh, and so uh, now that's that's a danger point. So you need to move the pendulum back to the middle, where it's a moderation. And I, you know, there's all kinds of examples. So, uh, so there's been a lot of times when I've asked uh, young people and uh, staff I've worked with, or other people that I've mentored, or whatever, uh, where's your pendulum? Uh, put it, put it on a, put it on a graph, and then show me where your pendulum is here. This side is extreme. This side is extreme. Where are you in the middle, or where are you uh, on this? And uh, if it's not in the middle, why? get it there because it's, it's uh, probably the best way to navigate this life uh, is, is to, through moderation and keeping a life in the pendulum. So I don't know whether that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think it's time to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Phil about his leadership philosophy. Stay with us. You're listening to From the Hawk's Nest. The Quincy University Academic Symposium is a showcase for student achievement across our liberal arts curriculum. Each spring, student presenters engage in professional performance and discourse with experts in their field of study, as well as the greater community to disseminate their work. The symposium provides a public forum for academic competition with prizes awarded to a student and their faculty mentor from each department, including graduate studies programs. Visit www.quincy.edu slash academic dash symposium slash to learn more about this exciting event. And welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest. I'm Matt Bergman, and today we're chatting with Phil Conover, President Emeritus slash Athletic Director slash former chief operating officer. There's just so many titles. There's a lot of slashes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, husband, father, uh, community leader. And so we're going to chat now about leadership philosophy. What do you think is the most important skill that a good leader should master? Well, uh, there are three or four that come to mind, actually, Matt. And um, but, but even before I answer that, you know, uh, I think a, a lot of people occupy leadership positions uh, but if you if you get named to an, a leadership position, uh, and and if you don't have any followers, uh, you're not leading. So the real question is, how do you develop followers if you're in a leadership position? Uh, and so to do that, then uh, that's kind of the answer to your question is, to me, there's three or four top uh, con- ingredients for that. One is the art of listening, uh, and get very very good at listening skills. And how to how to position your 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 body communication and and so on to uh, to, to be a good listener. Uh, I think then extension of that is relationship building. Uh, to me, the good leaders build relationships both above them uh, in the hierarchy of, of of authority, and they also own and more importantly build relationships below them. Uh, leaders who get taken down most of the time get taken down by the people below them, not the ones above them. 
Uh, and so you, you must get down in the trenches and develop those relationships. And those are the people that's going to make your work go well. Um, I think that um, the other big skill uh, is the art of following up. Uh, once, you're, once your workforce decides that you're not going to follow up on anything they suggest, they pretty well write you off. They'll stay polite uh, because of the position you hold. But, but they're not going to follow you if you don't follow up on, on things. And then my last one is uh, staying coachable. Uh, the, the more position you occupy, the higher level that you work, the more coachable you must be. Uh, and um, so if you think that you've cornered the market on all knowledge in your area, that's a form of self-destruct. And so uh, I think uh, not requiring yourself to be the most knowledgeable person in the room and being coachable and being able and being willing to learn, those are the things that I would allude to to answer your question there. As a leader, how do you build relevance within your company or organization? Well, you know, relevance by your workforce sometimes is perception management, and sometimes it's uh, it's reality. And uh, so, you you build, to answer your question, in my opinion, you build relevance by reaching out to people. And, and developing a relationship with them. Uh, relevance in the workforce means not being just an acquaintance. There's a difference between a relationship and an acquaintance. And we can all move through life and have thousands of acquaintances, but at the end of the day, how many, how many relationships do you have? Uh, and so if you want a relevant workforce, then they, they must feel like they have a relationship with their leader. Uh, and, and, and you have to reach out and build that and make them feel uh, that what they're doing is worthwhile, that they're adding to the total successful equation of the institution, uh, and that you're very happy about it. And that's, that's the way that I've tried to do it anyway. So tell me what it is about, what it is you love about Quincy University. Well, you know, that's, that's multifaceted too. Uh, and I alluded to it earlier, but I, I think that uh, when you combine the passion that's here, uh, the loyalty to this university, uh, and and it's these are not the highest paid workforce in the world, uh, but they stay and work and they work hard and the work ethic. When you combine that um, uh, with um, a a strong feeling of community, uh, and then when you have that led by the Franciscan spirit uh, of service learning, uh, you, you throw that into a bowl and you've got a great place. Uh, and that's, that's uh, why I think this works. That's why I think students, when they get here, they, they, they stay here. Uh, they, the alums will, will think back on their experiences uh, and remember the service learning, the, the camaraderie, the, the feeling of passion by their teachers people who cared for them. Uh, and, you know, when you stop somebody on campus and share a little bit about yourself, uh, they'll come back and, and they care. Uh, and, uh, and so n- new students experience that, and so does new staff. So uh, if you add that together, that's, what I, that's the way I really thought about it. You know, when you were serving in the role of chief operating officer and president of Quincy University, you often talked about getting – the trains moving and, and keeping the trains moving in, in one direction. Talk to us about why that's important. Well, it's absolutely necessary if you're going to enact uh, 
improvement and uh, and development. So uh, sometimes you can't wait for consensus. Sometimes uh, the situation calls for action, and and so you got to get that train moving, and get it away from the station. Now that doesn't mean you don't that people who aren't on board at the station uh, can't can't board the train down the line, uh, because there's other stopping points. But you must you must get it going, uh, because otherwise, if you develop a process uh, for for growth, and develop a process for improvement. Uh, the first thing you have to do is stay loyal to that process because as soon as you get pushback, if you go start chasing the pushback, then pretty soon you lose track of the process. And so by getting a train moving, you get that process moving forward. you got to do your homework to make sure that the process is what you want to do. Uh, but once that happens, get the train moving uh, and, and, and get it moving forward. Most people who are not on board and uh, are a little bit skeptical once they see a train moving, uh, they, they find a way to get on board uh, down the road. Once they see an end game, once they see a, a positive end result, uh, then, then normally most of the time, and I can't think of a time really in my years here that, 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 uh, that didn't happen uh, on the trains that we got moving. And at, at that time in 2016, things here were pretty much at a standstill. Nobody was doing anything. Yeah. Uh, and so... At one point, I had about 160 new initiatives happening, uh, each one of them a train. And there's more than I could keep track of. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. But uh, I had had great help, including yourself, to get those things done. Well, you were a a mighty good conductor, and uh, and we were very lucky to have you. Well, thank you so much. Running our train. And, uh, um, you know, I'd be remiss to to mention, too, that, um, you know, you have a pretty awesome neighbor. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, we're, we're really lucky to have Bonnie in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky to have Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie in my neighborhood. I t- that's, that's for sure. Full disclosure, Phil lives down the street from me. So yeah, yeah. even though, uh, even after he parted ways as the president here at Quincy University, I still get to see Phil around the neighborhood. So, well, and I won't tell anybody about the fact that when the weekend we moved in, we had no room in the garage to park our cars. <laughs> that I get a text from my neighbor Matt telling us that cars parked out on the driveway are not allowed in this neighborhood. So <laughs> we let him stay though. So, yeah. so uh, anyway, I, <laughs> because of Bonnie, <laughs> that was because of Bonnie, right? If it was just you, it would have been questionable. I understand so. that. I understand that. And of course, now we get to see you uh, more because you're currently helping us in our uh, athletic director role. So and probably your most famous role, I think, is the, uh, the man who never retired. It's, uh, it probably, somebody could probably write a book <laughs> about that. Yeah, you know, it just uh, kind of has that thing about experiences. It just kind of keeps popping up, you know. Yep. Uh, and, I, and I recognize that I'm going to have to learn to say no. I understand <laughs> that, you know. Uh, but this, this, this situation with the AD thing where uh, Marty left to join family, uh, you know, and Mid, midwinter, uh, and uh, Brian needed somebody who c- kind of knew the coaches, had a little, a little bit of a coaching background. I mean, all those ingredients came to, kind of came into play. You st- if you take a look at it right now, uh, because of COVID, uh, we've got 532 athletes, we've got 21 sports, 21 head coaches, uh, and we we piled the fall season on top of the spring season. Uh, and then when you add COVID um, uh, protocols into that mix, with all the cancellations that occurred, it makes for a very interesting day. Uh, and uh, so I'm just kind of living the dream right now. <laughs> well, 
Well, we appreciate that that dream's here here at Quincy University for sure. Phil, thank you so much for being our guest today and for your dedication to Quincy University. Well, thank you, Matt, for having me. I, I really enjoyed it, and it's good to see everybody here. And be sure to tune in next time when on, we have another episode of From the Hawk's Nest where we hear stories from QU alumni, uh, friars, friends, faculty, and staff. I'm Matt Bergman, and it's always a great day to be a hawk.